0: Welcome to The Procurement Show.
1: Hello and welcome to The Procurement Show. The show that tackles the topics we all need to think about and sets out to explore the more
2: interesting bits of procurement. I'm Jonathan O'Brien. And I'm Paul Philpott. My role here is to ask the questions that you the, the audience may well want to ask. This week we're continuing
1: our theme of sustainable procurement and looking at procurement with purpose, which just happens to be the title of a forthcoming book by two legends in the procurement community. And we're pleased to welcome both to The Procurement Show today.
0: The Procurement Show is brought to you by positive purchasing enabling the future of procurement in organizations around the globe
1: the first is one of the co-founders of procurement leaders back in 2004 and is now CEO of visible a digital platform that helps drive collaboration innovation and sustainability with supplier relationships a very warm welcome to mark Pereira also the other legend is someone who I think we could now regard as a regular contributor. Friend of the show. show. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. Been here before with over 35 years' experience in procurement and supply chain as a procurement director consultant, analyst, and writer. He's recognized as one of the UK's leading experts in public and private sector procurement performance improvement. And he's the managing director of procurement excellence and author of the book, Bad Buying. Here's Peter Smith. Welcome you both. And thank you for joining us on The Procurement Show today. It's a pleasure.
2: Well, what a lovely pair of procurement professionals you both look. <laughs> and oh, thank you. since we're talking procurement with purpose, I really do not envy our editor for cutting out all the peas that are like to be popping yeah, lots throughout this lots entire of conversation.
1: But before we talk about that, I've just got to say, Peter, your book, Bad Buying, just want to point out that I walked into a bookshop in Cambridge and your book was pride of place in the middle of the shelf of the business section. Really? My book's weren't even in stock. <laughs> I just <laughs> just want to say that before we start. Wow. <laughs> I'm shocked and delighted. <laughs> I wasn't. Well, I'm
3: not i am not delighted that your books weren't
4: there. <laughs> oh, they're, they're all sold out, Peter. That's the point. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's
1: a, the yeah. right answer. Right, yeah. So today we're here to talk about the new book that both of you have written, Procurement with Purpose. It's a timely and thought-provoking read. It's a fantastic read. In fact, I was really blown away by this book. Even the title gets you going, Procurement with Purpose how organizations can change the way they spend money now to protect the planet and its people. Having read this, we've got a bunch of questions and we really want to try and explore the whole thing around procurement with purpose. What exactly does that mean? Why is it different to sustainability?
4: I think procurement with purpose, I think if we look at where we are in the world, ESG is definitely top priority for board members and also investors in terms of now, you know, companies taking responsibility for what they do. I think we're also seeing a trend that companies actually have a purpose. So they are coming out with more authentic messaging of why they are a company that you want to do business or buy consumer goods from. So we're seeing this, and it's not just from the environmental side, but the social and economic impact on that. Also, it's the employees internally. They want to work with companies that are good members of society and have their own purpose. And I think that's a large part of it. I think in the book, Peter, will go into maybe some of the quotes there. It was the passion that we are getting from the likes of Ninian and Dave around how they are running these programmes and how that could actually have a good impact on the world, whether it's looking at climate change or economic impact in terms of fair living wage. I think it's really driven by the individuals from the bottom as well as what the leadership are doing as well.
3: Can I just add, I think there has been some confusion about the term sustainable procurement, which is one of the reasons we didn't choose that as our sort of overarching title, in that a lot of organisations see sustainability as, really being about the environmental side of things it's about net zero and deforestation and so on which is all great stuff but as mark says procurement with purpose and purposeful business can and often is more than that it's broader so procurement with purpose really encompasses everything where an organization is spending its money in a way that has a wider purpose beyond just the sort of short term goals of the organisation itself. So I think that's the sort of definition.
2: This concept of purpose then, and within the wider context of an organisation, where does it all start? Which comes first, the procurement or the purpose, I suppose? Is it something that perhaps originates at an organisation within an ethical level? Or does procurement have the opportunity to maybe influence what purpose looks like?
4: I think it comes from both. So I think with the COP26, just around the door on that and the initiatives coming from policymakers and the targets for climate change, which is, you know, on the news every day and buzzing around us. I think it's coming from the top level down, but also down from the individuals within the procurement function where they can see they can make a purposeful or impactful difference beyond the narrative of savings and risk and those other parts, which you know, I've been a procurement leader since 2003. Ultimately, cost savings have still been the key KPI for an organization and savings per FTE. And the technology around that has been to optimise those processes. Yet yeah, we can put some risk and compliance in there, maybe a resilience. But we now need to change the way that we look at our spend and have an impact on our sustainability, our environmental and economic impact as well. So I think there's no greater time for procurement to go to their leadership and say, we can help you on these really strategic agendas within the business and help actually deliver this. Because, again, we can talk about at the top level, but if you're not changing and getting your suppliers to commit to 2030 targets of climate change in the 1.5 degrees, and then you're not seeing the scope three changes within your suppliers, then we're never going to hit these targets. So a term that I like to talk about is this buzz at the bottom. is not saying much into <laughs> bottoms and, and buzzes, but um, buzz at the bottom. The, the activity that you're actually seeing with the suppliers and their suppliers, that's where it really happens. Not just having the tone at the top and this mood at the middle where middle management need to know it needs to change. It really is about the activities that we can do across our suppliers, how we align them around our purpose. And what we're going to see is the commitments we make and really make things happen. So I think it comes from both ends.
3: I think it's important to say that organisations, if you take the sort of top level, you know, they're not doing this purely because they're lovely people who want to go home and feel good when they talk to their families and their dogs and cats. You know, they're doing it because it's making business sense that they know both at a macro level, if we don't do stuff, then the world is in trouble and there won't be consumers and there won't be investors. And also at an individual company level, if you start being associated with modern slavery in your supply chain, poor provenance on the materials you're buying, killing the orangutans in the Indonesian jungle. It's not exactly good for business when your consumers find out that that's how you behave as a company. So this shouldn't be seen as a nice, soft, fluffy, we all feel good doing this thing. This is a business imperative as well as saving the world.
1: So the sustainability message is clear. Going back to something you said just now in terms of what that means, I'm kind of seeing that it means different things for different people. And you kind of started to list some The things there. So, everyone seems to agree we need to be more sustainable, whatever that means, translate that into all the different adverse impacts that are surrounding us. And organizations are really struggling just to do that bit. And the supply chain probably presents us with the biggest challenge of all figuring out. How do you do that when you don't have those direct contractual relationships with the entities where the damage lies, the issues lie? So if we're going to now overlay purpose as well as just getting things right, that feels a little bit overwhelming. How can organisations take that on as well?
3: I was thinking about this just the other day, and I think actually there are some advantages in widening this out into purpose. Because you're right, Jonathan, a lot of the core, you know, climate change agenda is very difficult stuff. But if you look at some of the other things we're talking about, if you look about diversity in the supply chain, you know, buying from different types of suppliers, supporting apprenticeships and training in your key supply chain, key suppliers and so on. These are things, frankly, that are perhaps a bit more achievable and actually can give you some quick wins while you're working on this big 20 year climate change agenda. So I think for procurement functions, it actually sets out some things that they can be doing and actually get results in months rather than years and decades. So I wouldn't look on it as an alternative, but I think it sort of widens the scope for what we can do in procurement and what we can actually deliver relatively quickly.
4: Yeah, I'd add to that. If you look at the fair living wage, we had the incident, was it last year with Boohoo over here around the salaries of people in factories within the UK and the uproar that came around that the fact we would look at large multinationals and expect them to be paying a fair living wage within their own organisation. Why would we not see fair living wage within their suppliers? And I think the fair living wage is the next topic that we'll be talking about after climate. I think diversity will come in there as well. But I saw... Dave Ingram today, posting out they're doing a collaboration with Nestle and some of their suppliers within their part around the fair living wage and a bit of a roadmap of how you achieve that as well. But again, ask the question, why would you allow your suppliers not to pay fair living wage? I'm not saying that's modern slavery, but there is a line between paying fair living wage and somewhere on the slavery in terms of where that quantum comes in. So I think we should expect that. And that will come in terms of what ESG is looking at in terms of the impact of these organizations as they go about their daily business. There should be fair impact to the people who are actually helping to supply and keeping those products and services on the shelf and delivering the value to the shareholders as well.
3: Just to say Dave Ingram is Unilever, and, yeah. which is one of the companies that pops up quite a lot in the book as some interesting case studies of what they've been up to in the last
0: decade or so. The Procurement Show, exploring the more interesting bits about procurement. And now, the procurement fun fact. This edition's exciting tale of preposterous procurement, bizarre buying, or simply
1: saucy sourcing. Both procurement and supply chain are two of the oldest professions in the world. I should read that and do Jeremy Clarkson. Let me have another go. Both procurement and supply chains are two of the oldest professions in In the world. That was very good. I'm quite impressed by that. Yeah, continue. The earliest recorded examples date back to Stone Age to 17,000 BC. In fact, it predates money and was based upon the exchange of value. Then, obsidian, which is a hard flint-like rock material used to make tools that naturally occurs in Papua New Guinea, was transported long distances to Italy, Sicily and Lipari and was exchanged for pottery and other items of value.
0: The Procurement Fun Fact Contact us by email, hello at theprocurementshow.com Send us a tweet at Procurement Show or connect with us on LinkedIn. Search for The Procurement Show.
1: There are some exemplar examples in this space that we can all learn from. And I'm interested with that line you said, it's not modern slavery, but equally we're not paying a fair wage. And there is this kind of line, and somewhere in this you have to decide where is it that good is? Where are we going to go in terms of our policy, our stance, our purpose to be able to do something meaningful here?
2: Yeah, because, I mean, most people think about the role of procurement being to save money and streamline these aspects within an organisation, which probably means that in some situations there isn't even going to be room for procurement with purpose. Does this actually mean that on some occasions you're going to have to argue for the business to spend more?
4: Firstly, i just double check that Definition of procurement. I think that's come in the last 20 years since we had a seven sets approach to sourcing, that the outcome was savings. I don't think, again, we've got a living legend in Peter Smith who goes back a few more years from me. I'm not sure that's why procurement was set up in the first place. I think it was to get a good commercial hat to allow the business to go about its duties, whether it's on growth or whatever. That's how procurement came as a function. And then we put a seven-step approach in there. And the only outcome of that was savings. And hopefully, we're getting best products and services. So I think we siloed ourselves into a single KPI over the last 20 years if we kind of streamlined that. And obviously, maybe the seven-step going to the technology is given a single KPI. And we have a few consultancies who have said what world class is, which has reiterated that over the decade as well. So I think we've ended up in a function that's very siloed under a single KPI, but the business needs to see the growth coming through. We talk about sustainable growth, and that also comes into the share price as well, which comes from ESG. So does it have to be more expensive? I think if we look at most organizations, we've seen an efficiency approach. So how do we make things 5 10% more efficient, which means you're doing the same things, but trying to just get a little bit margin off it when you look at some of the programs that we're seeing, you know, Again, I'll use Unilever as an example, which I think is an ambitious program, is how do you remove non-virgin plastics from their home care division? That's a complete transformation of the value chain around one of the three divisions within their business. That's yeah. not just doing something at a 5 10% efficiency. It's a transformation. Now, does that mean it's going to be more expensive? No, because you could actually make a transformation on this and it could be cheaper to do it that way. Yeah. But I mean, I'm not saying it's an easy thing to do because you know it's based on the petrochemical world and all the plastics coming through oh. and the materials in there. But I don't think it's purely has to be seen as a cost increase.
3: But presumably somebody in Unilever also thinks that we're going to sell a lot more of our product if we have this story about the packaging than if we're still using oil-based packaging in 10 years' time. So, you know, there's a business reason behind that. As I said earlier, it's not just goodness of their hearts. But also, if I can pick up on procurement's role, two things. This agenda is getting attention at board level. So, frankly, this is a great way for procurement to elevate its profile. And we've seen that in some of the people we've talked to. Stories where procurement function said, you know, we never got to present to the board. We had our global president over last week from the States and we got to talk to her, not about cost savings, but about our program of using more social enterprises and charities in our supply chain. Hmm. And the other thing I'd say, just to be a bit controversial, is as we're moving into a period of inflation rather than deflation, we've had 20 years of deflation through outsourcing and low cost country sourcing and seven step procurement processes and that seems to be going into reverse. So procurement isn't gonna have its cost savings story for the next couple of years, I reckon. And that's gonna really expose some people and functions. So you better make sure you've got some different stories to tell your board and your CFO. And this is a pretty good one, actually. I'm not saying yeah. it can be an excuse for price rises, but this is gonna be a real shock to procurement people. Yeah, what the economy-
4: I mean, building on that, if you're not gonna hit your net zero targets, then how much are you gonna pay on the carbon credits?
1: Yeah. You then get into a very different measure. And this is something we're seeing with the organizations that we're working with now. So savings has not gone, but it's on the ropes right now. It's about value in whatever form that takes. But it's also about pre financial benefits, how you are able to do something that stops future costs such as carbon credits being having to pay for the emissions that you and your suppliers use. But I think you've also used the word story a lot within that. And for me, this is about how do you tell the story of the benefit that this is going to bring to your employees, to your communities, to the world at large, the planet, to your consumers and so on. And the story is where it's at, which completely goes against the traditional way that we run organizations based on pure financial measures. So we're talking about a whole shift in not just what procurement does, but how organizations measure success And that's massive. So what is the role procurement has to make that happen, to make that possible?
4: Well, I think that narrative, those stories, I talk about the buzz at the bottom. Again, these are the activities you're actually doing. I think that's what we see around the purpose-led ones. We have the narrative in there. If you look at any sustainability report within a large corporate, which is normally linked off their website on the main page now, you'll see how they have their UNSGGs and they'll have the narrative around what they're actually doing. So we're seeing the investors do that. So, and if you think about that in terms of kind of climate change, it will be in scope three, It's about the activities you're doing with your suppliers. So in a CDP report, the carbon disclosure in section 12, which is one of my favorite places to hang out and read, it's the narrative around the programs that you're doing to educate suppliers about carbon, to collaborate and innovate with them, to incentivize them and for them to incentivize their suppliers. So there's narrative in there. It's not just ticking boxes, there's proper words in there talking about how we're going to do that and reporting up. And I think the storytelling is going to be an important part of that journey for procurement to do. And also to show what the potential value is. I think one of the challenges we have in a yearly based organization where savings are hit on a target is a portfolio of projects that you're working with, you know, maybe cross functionally with the sustainability side, but also with your suppliers, which are going to deliver future value. It could be about the carbon reduction. It could be about diversity and and other things. So we have to show the business, the portfolio that we're helping the business to deliver and what the potential impact is. So that's quite a big change for a procurement function where they've kind of we know what it's like you know you have the quarter three and quarter four and you really want to hit your savings target what about the portfolio of projects that you're going to do that's going to deliver this value which may go over a two three year period as well
3: i think the regulatory side's interesting as well because so much of that is going to be via our supply chain we're going to have to be reporting things scope three and so on and it's interesting he pops up in the book a few times he's actually a very old friend of mine from university days russell pico and he had a career as sort of number two in the finance division in one of the world's biggest banks. And he's like Mr. Conventional City Banker type. And he retired a few years ago, and he's become one of the global leaders in how regulatory reporting is changing to incorporate climate change and other risks. But not only is he doing all this technical stuff based on his background, he's become this incredible evangelist for the whole thing, And I interviewed him for the book and he gave us some great quotes. And he said things like unfettered capitalism will destroy the world if we let it. And he was like, Mr. Capitalism for 35 years. And he means it. He absolutely means it. He's got family as well. He's got three kids who are all working in the field of sustainability, interestingly. But, you know, we might get some support in what we're doing from some unexpected quarters like that. And there's no doubt what he and his colleagues are doing in regulatory terms is pushing companies into more and more disclosure, which means you have to have the understanding, which means you have to get into your supply chain and get deeper and collaborate and so on. So interesting.
0: It's time to ask Jonathan.
2: And I know this feature is your favourite part of the programme. It is Ask Jonathan. Today's Ask Jonathan came into the procurement show via our LinkedIn in page. And if you've got any questions, don't forget to add them there too. From two people, Stefan Reeve and Alicia Bailey. They say, Dear Jonathan, we work for a large financial institution. The company has set out a range of new goals as part of its 10-year sustainability plan, and we are tasked with determining how procurement can support this. We're well used to category management and also supplier relationship management for our top suppliers, but should we be seeking to make sustainability part of these, or do we need a whole new approach to do it well? For
1: sustainability to work, it needs to be part of how we live and breathe as a procurement function. So it needs to be part of category management, part of how we manage our suppliers and do supplier relationship management and drive those interventions. The tools we use and we're used to using are the same tools, but we need to do them with sustainability in mind or with purpose in mind. So we're not thinking about how do we drive out cost because we know that's you know long since not necessarily the focus of modern strategic procurement functions. It's about how do you get innovation from the supply base how do you manage to drive in the sustainability targets the organization needs to meet so that's about using those tools in a slightly different way so some of the tools that we would be using is how we define our requirements and making sure that they have purpose and sustainability built into them also the tools that we use to understand our external environment to better understand the marketplace and the supply chains so we can make the right decisions on what the strategy for sourcing needs to be for the future so it becomes sustainable. So in answer, we need to make sustainability the backbone of the traditional approaches we use in procurement so we refocus our efforts to drive sustainability as an outcome.
0: Ask Jonathan. Email your question to jonathan at theprocurementshow.com. You might be part of the next show. The Procurement Show. The latest thinking, the greatest insights.
2: Guys, considering this concept of story, we were talking about story, we were talking about the narrative. I'm not a procurement expert. I'm here to kind of talk on behalf of the consumer. And throughout working on the procurement show, over all these episodes, I've come to realise that in many situations, some strange situations, the procurement, they're kind of like hidden heroes within an organisation. It seems to me there's going to be an awful lot of hard work going on behind the scenes this hard work could have a very good impact on brand, on sales, on how the consumer sees an organisation, even an individual product. What are your thoughts with regards to procurement engaging with the rest of the business and ensuring that all this hard work doesn't go unnoticed by the consumer?
3: Well, I think engagement with the business is absolutely key. I don't think virtually nothing we're talking about can be driven purely by procurement. You know, there's a whole chapter about who your stakeholders are, and how they might be influenced and involved in all this. So although, as we've said, procurement can take the lead in an awful lot of this, they're really organisational initiatives. And it's no good procurement, for instance, saying, let's move to an all-electric fleet of delivery vans without engaging with the person who's actually in charge of delivery and runs the fleet of vans, because procurement just saying, oh, we've done a new contract for electric vans won't work. So I think the need for procurement to be influential with stakeholders, which frankly has been there Forever, But this is just another agenda that will require us to do that. And then getting the stories out sort of beyond the organisation. Maybe I'll let Mark comment on that. But I mean, procurement hasn't always been good at sort of blowing our own trumpet. And this is another area where perhaps we need to get better. I don't know what you think, Mark.
4: Yeah, I think I agree with Peter on terms of it's cross-functional. So what we're doing is supporting strategic business objectives and sustainability being those and and then growth and new product development is other ones that procurement support. And maybe on the innovation side, we haven't had the recognition of where that's going, but we do have other companies who say, right, 70% of our innovation comes from our suppliers. So, I mean, that's big parts on where it comes through. Equally, when we talk about sustainability, a lot of the sustainability agenda will be driven by new technologies to support the business. So I think we're going to see the innovation and sustainability agendas come together. But these are business strategies. So you know, if you look at the open innovation, you're doing inside out open innovation. You're looking at what the business needs and help them support that with a sustainability angle. So you know, again, if you're going to remove non-virgin plastics from your product line, you can't just randomly get the wrong Products in there and get it into the thing. You're going to have to work cross-functionally with the R&D and the quality and the control. So I think it's bringing procurement back to really understanding what the business strategy is and being supportive on that, which I think is the core of what procurement can do. And not just create the supplier ecosystems of today, but develop them for tomorrow as well, because this is about the transformational piece. So I think this is where procurement need to show facilitate these programs working and show the value on those. So we do that quite a lot. My day-to-day side can't just be, you know, these narratives on PowerPoint slides. It needs to be co-owned. I think it's where some digital, digital stuff is going on that. And it needs to be a little bit more like our... Head of Innovation will be looking at pipeline or the new product side. It needs to be accountable for the senior stakeholders cross-functionally. There needs to be visibility of where this portfolio around carbon might be, and we need the data in there. You know, it's the yeah. we're seeing a lot of pull on data around suppliers and the supplier ecosystem now on sustainability, which yeah. hasn't been needed or hasn't been at hand in the past as well.
1: This is such a broad topic, and I'm really enjoying everything we're talking about here because we're getting to the heart of procurement with purpose. But you know what? I'm concerned we may have too much in this podcast. Are you going to leave good stuff. the
2: audience with a cliffhanger? Well, do
1: you know, I think, uh, what if we paused yes.
2: and came back and did podcast two and we continue to talk to Peter and Mark in a second podcast? It sounds like a remarkable idea. All I want to say, though, dear listener, is make sure that you click that subscribe button. If you haven't done so already, if you have, then I'm going to give you a gold star. But if you haven't subscribed, please do, because that way you'll get a notification on your device as soon as part two is available
0: you've been listening to The Procurement Show contact us by email hello at theprocurementshow.com connect with us on LinkedIn search for The Procurement Show and on Twitter at Procurement Show visit us at theprocurementshow.com The Procurement Show is brought to you by Positive Purchasing enabling the future of procurement in organisations around the globe copyright Positive Purchasing All rights reserved. Produced by Fresh Air Studios.